0: The funny thing is, at, at Microsoft, you know, I personally have a reputation for for firing prospects. Ironically, our motto is not to try to win deals; is try to lose them as quickly as humanly possible. And mm-hmm. by doing that, you ironically learn that you win more.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the BizApp Springboard Podcast. I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Andrew King, Managing Director at WebSan, um, and to learn so much from his wisdom, um, his success in SMB and all up uh, Microsoft Market. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, man. Thanks for
0: having me. This is uh, I'm excited. This is
1: going to be fun. Thank you so much. And um, Andrew, for anyone that doesn't know you or doesn't have as much of a background, would you mind sharing a little about? yourself and maybe how you entered the BizApp space.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Like you said, my name is Andrew King, Managing Director here at WebSAN, and uh, we are a a Dynamics partner and have been a Dynamics partner with Microsoft since, say, 2008. Uh, We have around 50 employees now located in Canada, US, and the Philippines. We're mainly known for being a Canadian Dynamics partner, but uh, about 30% of our business is in the States at this point. Um, Right now, our primary business apps focus is Business Central, obviously, as the premier product. Uh, We still have uh, well north of 100 uh, customers on Great Plains. We just actually finished an acquisition of Rimrock Corporation's GP base, which adds a couple hundred more. And uh, we sell Dynamics 365 customer engagement and a whole bunch of Office and Azure and Power Platform stuff to boot. So um, that's kind of where we are today. We got into the BizApp space with Great Plains or Dynamics GP as it's known back in 2008 when, um, quite honestly, I uh, I had a a board member at a client of ours. We were doing some supply chain consulting, and he had said that this particular firm had some real problems with their ERP. He mentioned Great Plains, so before I walked into the meeting, I Googled what Great Plains was, um, (laughs) and then because I had – about 10 years of experience with SAP, I figured, well, Great Plains should be easier. Uh, so went into the meeting, won our first deal, and, and then Microsoft pursued us to be a partner at that point uh, to do Great Plains stuff. Um, But the unique thing for us when we got started is in the Toronto market where we got our sort of foothold, we realized there were about, I don't know, nine gold partners in the Toronto area. And we knew traditionally uh, being an on-prem partner just wouldn't work. So we actually started selling hosted Great Plains uh, in 2009. Um, so, you know, the, the punchline is we've kind of been selling the cloud for a good 14 years. Um, so, yeah, that's that was kind of our beginning in the Great Plains space. Then it went to CRM and, and NAV and, and now Business Central.
1: That's amazing. And, and uh, we definitely share the, the crossing enemy lines and moving from SAP to Microsoft experience, but... Um it's so funny that you you just Googled it before and you were able to position it. That's a testament to having a sense of where the customer is and, and selling to that specific customer. And I think that's something that a lot of companies in the SMB space don't do well. Um, so in, in your thoughts, Andrew, how do you stand out within that space? And why do you think that a lot of companies struggle to get that repeatable motion um, in the market right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the challenges are are multiple in this space. The first thing you have to understand about SMB customers is that you know they, generally speaking, don't believe that they're simple and repeatable, if you will. Every single customer we approach uh, kind of believes they're unique, right? And only with a tremendous amount of experience can you sort of you know, break that wall down, if you will, and and into its little repeatable chunks. So what we did a long time ago is really come out with these standard offerings by industry, whether it be manufacturing, distribution, professional services, and, you know, everybody thinks that's what we sell. Like we just sell these little buckets of standard implementation packages, and to a degree, that's true. But really, it's sort of a gray area of periphery around that. Um, funny story: we had a we were competing against a partner recently in, in Canada, and they went back to Microsoft and they said, "Well, WebSend really doesn't sell exactly what's on their website. They sell kind of." what's on their website, but more. And Microsoft's like, well, yeah, that's the model. That's that's the reality <laughs> of it, right? So, you know, people don't take it too literally. There are uh, partners that do that and, and they do quite well at it. We tend to, the, the analogy I make is we, we tend to do a bit of yoga and Pilates around those core offerings a little bit. So we're a little flexible. Um, the unique thing with us in the industry solutions that we have is that we have built out uh, a lot of our own apps Around those offerings. So again, what you really need to do in an SMB deal, and and this is what uh, if you know the guys from Neural Impact, Shark, and Mark, they'll say, you know, tribal speak, right? You need to speak their language, the prospect's language. What are their challenges? And our app library, the one that we've built, actually speaks that for us. Um, and as you know, you know, we advertise everything on YouTube and do a ton of YouTube uh, videos and content, and so that content kind of speaks for itself. If you get on the phone with a distribution company that imports from overseas, you can quickly talk about the challenges you have of tracking containers and changing dates and MRP results and things like that. But we already have an app that does all that, so you don't even have to really get into that conversation. You just simply show the web page and kind of go through that piece. So making it repeatable in that respect is a challenge and takes some time. You've you've really got to dive deep into the industry, and whether you partner with an ISV or build your own like we did – you know, you got to build out those offerings um, to really address those pain points, like you said.
1: Right. And there's so much where you're ahead of the curve on, I think, whether it is going with the verticalization or relying on content for the kind of front of market um, repeatable process for that piece of the selling process. But what I want to focus on a little, which I think something that Unfortunately, a lot of companies miss out on is that you're not only walking the uh, talking the talk, but you're also walking the walk where you're positioning to the vertical markets and you have the IP to back it up. And you have that essentially, uh, like you said, tribal knowledge where, you know, to not say um, you're, you're managing multiple uh, wings to uh, to a manufacturing company that would be managing cost centers and factories, right. um, and, and vice versa with healthcare, for example. So was that something that you had to arrive at, or did you intrinsically know from past experiences that you can't essentially sell uh, vaporware uh, to customers?
0: Well, you know, part of part of it is, um, you know, if you build it, they will come theory, right? Um <laughs> And I'm not I'm not a believer in that. So what we will typically do is we will build out a core application. Um, you know we'll kind of sit in room and think through different requirements. I've got uh, my degree ironically is in chemical engineering, and my business partner he's a, got a supply chain degree. And so you know we'll, we'll sit around and think about the real world challenges. Plus um, in a previous career I actually was VP of supply chain for a Fortune 500 company and ran you know 13 distribution centers and stuff. So we've got quite a bit of experience in house. With you know what real world challenges are, but it really only takes you so far. Then um, what we'll do is we'll leverage client questions and, quite honestly, even in the sales motion, you know questions we get about different apps and, and capabilities, and we'll immediately turn around just go build out those capabilities if we find enough interest in it. Um, to be honest, with most clients, we won't even charge for it if we think it's a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a true story on on kind of how this works. We won a deal in Florida last year because the CEO, uh, they'd already implemented Business Central. It hadn't gone all that great. They're in distribution and and a bit of manufacturing. And in the deep, dark recesses of one of our apps on our website, we have this automatic backflush. Applet, I'll even call it, right? And if for those of you on the podcast, familiar with Great Plains, it's basically a quick MO entry equivalent, okay? Mm -hmm. And we built it out a while back because we felt this capability was missing in Business Central. And, you know, we, we found enough repetitive manufacturers that just kind of made sense to go build this thing. And he found that and he calls me up and he says, you know, the fact that you guys have that tells me you really, really understand the challenges in a repetitive manufacturing environment. And you know, we ended up winning the deal <laughs> and it was wow. in large part due to a little app that like we don't even sell for two bucks a month. Like it was a tiny <laughs> little thing. Um, But like you said, it's 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 not necessarily about, you know, coming into a deal and talking about features and functions and, and shiny things. It's really just listening and um, and then responding to the pain points. Um, True story from from my past, again. Mark Stewart from Neural Impact, who you might know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coaches excellent, phenomenal coach in sales, and and he, I had the 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 joy of working with him very early in my career, and keep in mind, you know, chemical engineer probably isn't the best salesperson, right? Uh, <laughs> and and true story, I really I was awful. He laughs to this day and and says like I was awful in the beginning, and so we had to develop an outline for me during sales calls that forced me to listen. So we developed like a nine-page questionnaire to just frankly shut me up, and because uh, I would I would run into sales calls and just talk you know relentlessly about nothing, <laughs> and uh, and honestly you know I realized way back when I was very lucky with with his tutelage to realize way back when that listening is the key, and then obviously responding to what people say. You can have ten thousand features in an app, but they only care about two. Then you talk about the two, and the mm-hmm. fact that you've done all the rest just like you said is a testament to your expertise in that particular area. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how, uh, how I, how we refine that process over the years.
1: Yeah. And, and that's so interesting. It's, um, the empathy piece is, is often missing. I think a lot of companies have kind of, uh, started to crack the code or at least started to understand that you have to spend a lot of time with your consumers on the enterprise side, but, Unfortunately, this has not been applied as much to SMB, or maybe fortunately because it allows you to stand out. Um, But what do you think are currently the biggest differences between selling an enterprise and SMB? Is that something that you consider often, or is it not really on your radar since you're not targeting that market?
0: Well, like you and I joked earlier, you you, you had a bit of SAP background. I had a bit of SAP background. And so the one thing that we vowed when we got into the Microsoft space Early on, uh, is that we weren't going to blow our brains out in an enterprise anymore. I had enough—I'll use the word horrific, but terrible experiences <laughs> implementing SAP that I was—I was baked even back then. And so we just decided that we really wanted to divert. We wanted to diversify our income base. So no client that we have really makes up more than three or four percent of our uh, annual revenue. Mm. Um, which, again, you know, creates a, a good diversified base of customers. Um, but really, it was the politics and the complexities and, and the the long, long sales cycles that you get into in the enterprise space that that really I just didn't want to honestly live through again. And so, you know, Microsoft has asked us numerous times to get into F&O and, and other um, software companies have pursued us too, but there's just no appetite. We're very happy doing what we're doing. And, and quite honestly, Business Central is a fantastically evolving product. The engineering team is exceptionally engaged with partners and, and taking advice and listening and building out the product. So we're pretty happy with things as it is.
1: Right. And and we spoke about knowing your customer. I sense we're shifting a little to knowing yourself. And that is something that is really cool that you do, Andrew, and I, I admire is that you kind of walk the path that you've wanted. And it sounds like that was set early on. Maybe it was from frustration with SAP. Maybe it was out of interest in in diversification. But you've created such a healthy business, not by following the bear and going through whatever Microsoft tells us to message, which is really valuable on its own. But you're also understanding your market your business's best interests in creating a uh, company that is so successful, able to go and acquire other customers' lists and things like that. Whereas a lot of other partners will just uh, essentially be a prisoners of the state that they are in. They will only follow whatever the market is headed at. Uh, they will hear that fabric is now a thing. They will just go and try to invest everything in selling fabric. They will hear that now there's incentives for selling whatever X other product. That's where they will put all their ads. So how have you um, created this environment at WebSAN? And is this something that you have to intentionally think about? Because I know now Microsoft goes to you to learn about how you're achieving the success rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah, Ironically, I just got invited to be a guest speaker at the HVP High Value Partner Program in a few weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, it's it's one hundred percent intentional. And the the funny thing is, at at Microsoft, you know, I personally have a reputation for for firing prospects. Ironically, um, <laughs> because we will, our motto is not to try to win deals, is try to lose them as quickly as humanly possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And.
0: Um, by doing that, you ironically learn that you win more. Um, the other thing I realized very early on when I started in sales with the realization that I sucked at it um, is that I, as an engineer and, and sort of my type A personality, I guess, I really had to work on empathy, uh, like you said earlier. And I actually enlisted heavily in what's called neuro-linguistic programming, which is, if, if you know anything about it, sort of you know how the human mind interprets information and things like that. So I I really… Did two things in parallel way back when I worked with Neural Impact on um, the methodology of sales and tweaking it uh, on repeatable sales because like I said we were in a hosting motion not you know effectively the cloud in 2008 not on prem and uh, started selling over the phone and over the internet back then uh, even even early on and the other thing was really learning the softer side of how you sell both over the phone and in person which required some nuance so. Those two things combined with then understanding really what we wanted to be when we grew up, which was, again, a diversified customer base, focus on industry verticals, and, and make it as repeatable as we can. That was really our, our mantra from the get-go, and it was funny because over the years I've hired salespeople, and you know they go after every single deal right out of the gate, and teaching them that that's not what's most important – and losing is okay is completely transformative to a salesperson. Um, And, and that takes, you know, a while to get that across. You have to compensate them accordingly, but, you know, losing a deal isn't bad if it's not a good fit. Right. And we, we joke sometimes you want to kind of give a prospect a psych exam too, to make sure no, they're not crazy. (laughs) But um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a hundred percent intentional, not only sticking to your gun so that you're, your project teams aren't dragged all over the world, you know, trying to implement various scopes and ISVs and different solutions for everybody. Um, It's, it's, it is a difficult thing to do, especially when you're starting off and you just want to win whatever you can and get some experience sticking to what you envision is a difficult thing for sure in those early days.
1: Yeah. And that's really interesting. You mentioned hiring there um, and, and how you've, been able to tailor people to that mindset and get the right team. Um, you know, funny enough, one of the things that have taught me a lot about this space, and and I haven't done um, as much to invest in in my growth and empathy, but I, I used to do improv in university. And oh, yeah. Okay. That has taught me a lot about reacting to the audience in real time, understanding what they're finding to be good, what they're not finding to be good, and then working in harmony with the people around, because you, everyone is uh, a totally independent variable. Everyone is moving in their own path, and you have to kind of know your role, know when you're building the scene, when you're supporting others on the stage, when you are the main character on the stage, and kind of like understanding what hat you're wearing. Do you find that that's something you have to really be picky about when you're choosing the team to help grow your company. Oh,
0: oh yeah. It's um it's extraordinarily difficult. So sales is difficult anyway, right? Let's so let's take it in person. Um, you know, if I'm sitting in front of you, I can read the room, I can read your body language, I can read your mm-hmm. intonations of your voice quite readily, you can read mine, you know, shock and awe, reactions, etc. Um to do that over the phone without video is extraordinarily difficult, mm-hmm. and teaching how to react, how to listen, how to pause, how to not interrupt, uh, how to how to create the agenda ahead of time, get everybody on the same page. It requires a heck of a lot of work uh, from a sales methodology standpoint. And what we did very again early on is is we've been leveraging dynamic CRM now for, god ever. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've built all this stuff. So remember, I, I said I kind of built this this questionnaire thing out in the beginning Well, we built that into CRM eventually. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's how I teach. I only have two other salespeople, one very junior and, and one more senior. But, you know, that's how I, I taught them how to interact in sales deals. And, you know, to your previous question, we will sometimes find very, very large, complex deals and we will sell them on a paid diagnostic engagement. Because it is so complex, it requires more of a deep dive and more time. So we'll still deal with those complex projects, but they take on a very different life cycle than a repeatable SMB deal, right? Um, but both require that empathy, that understanding the industry, um, you know, understanding of our apps, understanding all the content on our YouTube channel, uh, and and being able to ultimately listen and and have empathy with those prospects. Uh, it takes a lot of time to get good at it, for sure.
1: Do you follow a specific methodology from outside, or is that something that is kind of website I'm secret?
0: Sh- I'm sure we do. I just couldn't <laughs> articulate what it is anymore. I keep uh, I keep finding different methodologies that are very close to what we do, um, but I wouldn't say you know there's a brand name on it per se. Um, but what I will tell you, the the other Sort of secret sauce to our success, which which I can reveal, is we are absolutely relentless in our pursuit of perfection. And our definition of perfection, from a sales perspective, is we want to close a deal without ever talking to somebody. Now we know in reality that will probably never happen. Although, quite frankly, it does about once a month. But um, if you continually strive to provide enough rich content and blogs and the way you phrase your emails, et cetera, that you're able to instill confidence in that prospect that even when you have to get on the phone, the conversations are quick. You don't necessarily get dragged into long protracted demos and things like that. Um, then quite honestly, you can be very successful with a pretty small sales team, right? We've got two salespeople including, and then me, which I'm kind of part-time at this point. Um, but you know, we'll do 60 customer ads a year. And it's impossible to do that if you take a traditional sales approach, right? There's just no way. Yeah. So uh, we will frequently close deals with no demos. Uh, we will frequently close deals with one or two phone calls. There will also be larger ones that take a while, but like I said, we charge for those anyway. So from a cost of sales standpoint, it's, it's
1: very inexpensive. And that's very interesting because I think even for the paid for pre-sales engagements, you have to understand the customer and, and understand when to position it because not every customer is going to see value oh, yeah. um, from from ground zero. You have to educate them a little and build that trust. And so I think that's a testament to your marketing and to your investment in it, which is something that um, a lot of partners, at least in, in our ecosystem, don't do as much. So why did you invest in video so early on? What made you... I- think that that's the path to go.
0: So yeah, it was, I, I would love to say it was intentional and, and some sort of stroke of genius, but it, it definitely was not. Um, in 2011, I was dealing with a prospect in New York and they were interested in Great Plains and the guy had some specific questions about some specific functionality. We kept trying to schedule the meeting to do the demo and we just couldn't coordinate calendars. So I literally logged into GoToMeeting, record a little video for him, published it on what became our YouTube channel and sent it to him. The guy was so floored that I took the time to do that that he – like the deal closed the next day. And I said, well, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I said, well, I looked at all the – I kind of went back in my notes and looked at all the different questions I was getting during you know, a sales engagement. And then I came to the realization that, wow, like a lot of these questions are the same. I said, well, the difference – now, keep in mind the accidental part was I had already tried to use Microsoft's content I had used – there was a tool back then I can't remember to do like click-through demos that you could record, right? None mm-hmm. of it resonated with Prospects. I actually had a meeting with a guy. I had gone through like seven hours of prep to do a click-through demo with him that I pre recorded and it was just like the, the demo engine itself clicking on stuff. And he watched the whole thing. It was like an hour long. took me forever to prep. He got to the end. He looks and he goes, okay, now you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so – So I I figured out that the secret was the fact that if they – that demos are about credibility. They're proving that both you and the system can do what they need, and those are two different things. If you're just out to prove what the system can do, you can use a Microsoft video. You can use Microsoft Learn. You can do anything you want, but to prove that you get it as a company requires you doing it. And that was what I discovered very early on. So then that evolved into me, number one, recording a ton of videos on just questions I got all, all, all the time. Then there were certain modules in Great Plains like project accounting, manufacturing, that I said, well, there's so much content here. Like I'm going to do a whole series. And I did like an eight-part series on manufacturing, including like T-accounting and all this crazy stuff and same thing on project accounting. And those videos that are now, I don't know, nine, ten years old – have brought us millions and millions of dollars of revenue over the years. And they've not been touched. And so when Business Central came along, we kind of rinse-wash-repeated. We said, okay, here are the key areas. Let's see what questions we're getting in sales. And we just keep relentlessly coming up with content. Um, the difference today is I actually employ a full-time digital content producer. He's amazing. Um, and then I still do kind of a monthly webinar series. But it. Having that much content at your disposal a it convinces the prospect that you know what you're talking about because it's legit content content from you uh and b you don't have to go you don't have to go demo the same thing again there's no point, so it saves you a ton of time in the sales process
1: yeah and and what strikes me as um uh, as genius, even though you said it wasn't some stroke of genius is that you've taking the time to record the data from your customers and you're aggregating it, analyzing it and understanding when there is common scenarios, understanding when there are questions that come up a lot. And so that focus on the customer shows so clearly, the empathy shows so clearly. But I think what I haven't heard you talk about as much um, and will be interesting is how much do you look sideways? How often are you looking at What other partners are doing and try to replicate it?
0: So we we track the weekly actions of about 30 of our friendly competitors out there um, and (laughs) go through it every single week. So all blog posts, LinkedIn posts, YouTube video posts, website changes, everything. Um, Yeah. Every single week. So uh, we're pretty relentless about that. I'm sure, you know, frankly, people probably do the same to us. Um, But yeah, we you know, it's it's not we can't claim to come up with all the great ideas. Some people are coming up with some amazing stuff out there and yeah, we keep an eye on friends. So yeah, we, we do that quite relentlessly too. We were doing that for a very, very long time actually.
1: Yeah. So. That's, that's good to know, because I think a lot of companies might um, uh, or, or early career professionals honestly might hear how you've come up with a lot of good ideas and think, Oh, I have to come up with all of them. And maybe I'm, I'm not a chemical engineer. I'm not smart enough to figure out all of these things on my own like Andrew did. But the beauty of this partner ecosystem is that you can learn from others that are around. And you can also see what has worked for them, what has not worked for them. Maybe what hasn't worked at some point was just the wrong place, wrong time. But it is the right piece of content. And so there is room for iterating on the same ideas, um, which is interesting, I think, because you get such a large amount of data from the market, even if you're starting out today.
0: oh yeah. and and the challenge, especially with new partners getting into this business, is, you know, oh, I produced a video and only got forty views. So that was stupid, right? <laughs> um, it, it, it's not a short game by any stretch. It's a very, very long game. You know, we're over 1.9 million views on our YouTube channel uh, today. And, you know, we got there one little video at a time. You know, my my old modus operandi was was kind of like a video a month. And that was my thing way back in the day. And the thing that made us unique about the YouTube content we were creating is we just kept at it. And it's very rare now it's about one one release a week because I have more more people doing it, but back then it was literally just a video a month. But I don't think we've missed a month in thirteen years. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you and and that in and of itself becomes a snowball down the hill, if you will, right? But people will, you know, I've I've got good friends in in this business that'll say to me like, well, I did this video and it didn't get me any leads. I'm like, well Dude, it's not about one video. It's about a library, content, and consistency. Like anything, you know, one of my hobbies. I'm a cyclist, right? And mm-hmm. you know, you go out for one ride, you're not going to get in good shape. But you do it every single day or most days a week. Eventually, you get better. It's no different with SEO or LinkedIn or YouTube. You got to keep consistent at it to get results.
1: 100%. Yeah, very interesting. It's it's a couple a couple of themes show out uh, from everything we've talked about so far, that stamina and kind of relentlessness uh, is definitely a theme, I think. And then also knowing yourself, knowing your customers, knowing exactly what that fit will look like uh, to the extent where you are firing prospects and telling them, you know what, you're not the right customer for us. Pick one of the other 1,000 partners that are available and they might be a better fit or maybe they are a bit more flexible with accepting customers who are not set up for success. So those two elements are really insightful, I think. And and there may be really good learnings for anyone who is starting out, anyone who is not quite sure how to define their slice of the pie and uh, really identify the market, identify the problem, And take a product management approach to it, which uh, unfortunately is a little missing, especially in SMB. I think a lot of um, companies think it's that, again, rinse and repeat exactly the same for every single customer. But you have to identify exactly what you want to achieve.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, And, you know, some will say, oh, you know, with SMB, just just cut out, say, core GLAPR banking and get that as a as a first implementation and then move on to inventory and purchasing and stuff. And, and I'll say, well, that would be great and all, but if I'm coming, if, if the client is coming from a system where they have, you know, a warehouse with barcode scanning and they've got integration to customers through EDI or something, or they sell a Walmart or Amazon, whatever, you can't go live with Business Central with just a financial system and and then do what with it? Like tie back into Sage for their warehousing or something? Like it doesn't practically make any sense. So you you, you definitely try to break it down to as little as you can possibly get away with to make it repeatable. But sometimes, you know, practically speaking, that's very difficult to do. Right. So like you said, though, knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, and being able to identify that from a perspective standpoint during the sales process. Uh, yeah. It takes some refining
1: over time for sure. Very interesting. Yeah, that that piece about viability and making sure that the solution is functioning for the customer's use case. Um, I, I I know a lot of companies go for Glapper and they just do G L A P A R and 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 then nothing else because the implementation fails. Uh, but it's good to have the foresight and and again understand the customers. Um, I think this is fantastic learnings. Yeah,
0: no, I appreciate that. But it's like you said, you know, we um we say no a lot. Uh, and I remember I was speaking in it. I think it was directions a couple of years ago. And and I was talking about this philosophy of, you know, trying to lose a deal faster than you win it. And I said, you know, we, we frequently say no a lot of times. And the person in the front row kind of raises her hand like, what do you mean? And I looked at him. and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> we say no. He's like, and then what? I'm like, I don't know. They go somewhere else. <laughs> like I don't know what happens after that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they come back. You know, there's a there's a human psychology term of uh, called scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you is we as humans, you know, you'll you'll frequently see marketing campaigns that say, you know, limited time offer or you know, even on Amazon it'll say like there's only 3 left, right? Buy now or on travelocity you'll see that with hotel rooms or airline seats, right? So we mm-hmm. get all excited. It's no different in a sales process. If you say no to somebody, it's like their brain just short circuits during the sales process from a, from a prospect perspective, and they're like, well, what do you mean you don't want to sell to me? And they're like, well, here are the reasons I don't want to sell you to – oh, well, but we can figure this out. And then you're like, well, now – like I'm not the one selling anymore. I'm actually being pursued to, to sell to this particular <laughs> person. It is a legitimate human psychology thing that when, when someone – believes that they can't be a part of something they want to be a part of it even more it's it's absolutely crazy but it works i mean sometimes we don't do it on purpose mind you but uh it it is a a concept that works
1: yeah that's that's so interesting andrew i i've learned so much from you already and um i feel bad for being extra greedy and asking for more but um i do want to ask you what advice would you give to people who are starting out in the channel whether it is Uh, early career professionals who are still trying to define what their career path looks like, or someone who's shifting in from a different uh, industry or different ERP. Uh, What things do you wish you've done differently or what learnings would you share with them?
0: Well, you know, Simon Sinek talks about find your why. Right. And um, it actually I, I wish that I had figured that out a long time ago, because, like I said, you know, people like to think that we ended up where we are just because we we thought of every single right action along the way. And as you know, with any entrepreneur, it's not a straight line journey. Right. So we made a plethora of mistakes along the way. We still do, quite honestly. But <laughs> if, if if we had kind of really nailed down our why and, and what we wanted to be um, with a finer point, I'd say earlier on. Um yeah, that would be my advice. You got to figure out what you're good at, what your passion is, and figure out how that morphs into if you want to get into dynamics, whether it be customer engagement, business central, you know, figure out what you're good at, figure out what your background is. You know, in mine it was manufacturing, heavy distribution, supply chain. So we focused on that just because I was very comfortable with it. Right. Um, Got into professional services because it's a big, big area of the market. And again, we had some people on staff that were very good at it with deferred revenue and work in process and crazy accounting stuff that goes on there. And so we got into that. So figure out what you're good at, what your passion is and and pursue it to your very early point in this conversation. Collin, you know, Microsoft will point their money hose in a lot of different places. And over the years, I've said this to my team a thousand times, sometimes. Our paths are perfectly aligned with Microsoft and where they're headed. I mean, we won Global Partner of the Year a couple of years ago, and because, quite honestly, their strategy and ours lined up. Um, I'd like to say it was 100% intentional, but it, it actually wasn't really. It's just we thought a lot of things were a good idea. Microsoft thought a lot of things were a good idea, and we both had great ideas, and it lined up. If we diverge from those paths, we're always of the mindset that we're trying to maximize you know, our revenue and earnings, profitability, and employee engagement. If that happens to align with what Microsoft is doing, hey, cool. If it doesn't, you know what? We'll be perfectly fine as we've been fine in the past, and we just keep kind of doing what we're doing. So to your point, you know, yeah, Power Platform is cool and Power Automate and – power apps and power bi or whatever it's called now (laughs) but you know and there's a right place for all those things but if we spent all our time chasing all these shiny balls there's no way that as a company you can be profitable doing that you are just spread too thin it's impossible so you got to pick what you're good at partner up with people who may be better at certain things and move forward with whatever your why is i
1: love that i i think that is a perfect book to put on um, this conversation because it takes a lot to know what you want. It takes a lot to know what the market wants to achieve that synergy between them and just maintain that faith and in, in your choice and continuing on long term rather than quitting at the first sign of trouble or being shaken up by market forces or by external parties or what other partners are doing. So, even though you're continuously uh, informing yourself of what they're doing and, and doing that on a weekly basis, um, you're not s- switching paths, you're knowing what you're good at, you're pursuing it relentlessly. Uh, I, I think that's amazing and and it applies beyond uh, corporations. I think it also probably applies to individuals. If a person is trying to achieve a certain career path, um, if they're going for a specific role, whatever it may be, Uh, for someone who is earlier in their career that that makes a lot of sense I think to follow and of course for other companies uh, that are still trying to define themselves their why and follow that advice. Andrew thank you so much for this amazing conversation I know I learned a lot like I said um, and I hope everyone else did uh, in in, uh, the listeners but uh, yeah thank you again once again for um, sharing all your wisdom with the market for everything that you do for this community
0: no thanks hollard i appreciate you having me man that was fun thank you so
1: much thank you